morning crypto good morning warriors hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel good morning crypto where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto related topics from a top crypto research team in the world i'm your host abs joined by several members of our 3t family this morning we got mario also known as the node defender joining us on this thursday Andrew, a.k.a. the Cashflow King, is in the building. And I want to give a special shout out to my friend Johnny Crypto. It's all love, my friend. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we will be discussing how a new day is coming for American crypto regulation. While Jamie Dimon and JP Morgan are publicly criticizing this new asset class, behind the scenes, they've tripled the size of their crypto unit. We're also going to be discussing how the Bitcoin halving creates an opportunity every four years for crypto investors, reducing supply while increasing demand. We've got the evidence to prove that this time will be no different. And with the largest financial firms on the planet in the process of turning digital, we break down the details, showing our community how this next bull run is shaping up to be the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcasts, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So, Mario, we've got some pretty exciting news to talk about. We're also going to address Hester Pierce and how she doesn't even understand what the SEC is doing with crypto right now. So that's pretty funny as well. First of all, how you feel, my friend? Thanks for being here. I'm feeling amazing, Abs. Thank you. I hope everybody's doing amazing today. Sending everybody love out there. It's good to be on with Andrew and it's good to be on with you, Abs. So let's have an amazing show. Andrew, and we're going to be talking about price action as well, because this week I've been deep diving not only the XRP price chart, we're going to talk a little chain link, a little Bitcoin. It's going to be a fun episode today. How you feeling, my friend? And thanks for being here. Hey, good morning, good evening, good afternoon. And I would say from the Netherlands, good night. We are here in, in the Netherlands in the dark days before Christmas. That means it's 5 p.m. and it is fully dark here. So uh, well, that, that's also nice. You know, we see the, the Christmas lights and everywhere is a lot of light and the small light bulb. So it's uh, it's good and it's I'm happy to be in the show again and uh, love you Mario and Epps and uh, let's make a great show. Let's rock and roll guys and we already got 190 live listeners joining us. Show us some love, smash that like button and we're going to start this thing off the same way we always do by checking out the Good Morning Crypto Twitter account that is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button for updates all throughout the day. When we check out some of our daily movers this morning, my goodness, Mario, it is green across the board. We've got GRT up about 9%, Quant Token up 4%, Solana's up 8%, Algorand up 7%, and for the sake of time, we'll say the rest of the market up about 5% across the board. When we look at our Merlin market update this morning, we are sitting at $1.6 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 52% dominance. Ethereum is about 17%. And this is worth noting, guys, the F Bitcoin fear and greed index is in greed. We are at a 76, about to reach the largest phase that this scale can handle. But let's address the prices. Bitcoin sitting at 42,500. Ethereum, 2,281. We've got XRP sitting at 62 cents. And one of our listeners commented before the show, if I wake up to 62 cent XRP, it is not going to be a good day. Well, my friend, it's still going to be a great day. Stay optimistic out there. We also got Solana at $73 and Cardano trading higher than XRP right now at $0.64 cents in price. But I just want to remind people the total market cap value is still $22 billion. And we already got 220 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Mario, you get the insight before the show. So you know we've got some exciting video prepared for today. Brian Brooks is explaining the actual narrative happening in crypto. We see people like Jamie Dimon from JP Morgan and Kevin O'Leary. Nobody's promoting these assets three or four years ago. 
Now the biggest players in the game are talking about crypto, but we're going to discuss how American regulation is still very, very far behind. And it's intentional, my friend. But before we do, we're going to play this video from Brian Brooks explaining how crypto was built to take down the banks and not the U.S. dollar. If you think about the original internet, in 1996, the internet came within one vote in Congress of being treated like a telephone company, right? There was a real debate about whether the internet should be regulated like a common carrier, and it almost was that way. And the reason for that was, is that the common carriers were super worried that long distance phone calling and all kinds of other things, that whole business model was gonna be ruined by the internet, and it was to all of our benefit, but incumbents have a very powerful ear and regulators respond to their incumbents. So I can tell you like in my seat, it makes you feel really special when Jamie Dimon makes the schlep down to sit in your office and talk to you for two hours. But that happened to me every month. It was really amazing, like, oh my God. And the normal incentives you have when you're in that seat are the incumbent charter holders of whether they're state banks like Yelena or national banks like me or whatever, is I want these guys to be happy. These guys are my customers. In fact, in a prior era, some bank regulators did refer to banks as their customers. So when you have a technology that is going to destroy or at least disintermediate an incumbent, regulators are gonna have, on average, I think we were a little bit different, but on average, it's gonna be hard for them to embrace it. So is the US anti-innovation? I mean, no one would say that they're anti-innovation but they would all be super scared of banks going away or whatever their constituency was. Incumbency is really powerful. Well, and Mario, I think that really highlights what we're seeing today. I'm going to kick it to you. What's your opinion on this Brian Brooks take? Yeah, that, that is a really good video. I really loved uh, a lot of his statements, most of his statements. And it sounds exactly like what we're going through. The way that he described the, the early days of the internet and how they try to centralize it and, and how at the time, and I've seen many other videos from, from mainstream media around those times when they were discussing how people were not going to use the internet for news. People were not going to use the internet for, for, uh, for phone calls. It, it was really, although there was the people that saw it as a threat, the mainstream media was talking about how newspapers were all gonna, always going to be a thing. Landline telephones, as you saw, Johnny Crypto still has one from yesterday's episode. That was going to continue to be a thing forever. So we're witnessing the same thing happen now. We've got a technology. It's disruptive. Just like Brian Brooks said, it's disruptive. The financial system specifically is getting very shook by it. The government, especially in the United States, is being very, uh, is being very reluctant to accept it. They're being very reluctant to create a, a framework of, of guidelines around it. They're they're fighting it. We're we're at the deep of of the fight stage, in my opinion, as and and also as uh, Mark Yosko has mentioned. So, I think we will see a repeat of what we saw during the early days of the internet. That all these things that we're called conspiracy theorists for are going to come into fruition to some extent, and it might not be to the full extent of the whole conspiracy theory, but they are going to come to 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 uh, fruition. We are going to see a shift into blockchain technology. However, that becomes, we will see a, a one of these solutions as as uh, as one of the main solutions, whether it's Ethereum, Solana, or some of these other blockchains, we will see them working with a lot of these institutions. We will see tokenized assets. And so I think that's really exciting because we're living through these moments and we have the opportunity to, to invest and take advantage of, of this such early stage. Andrew, there's no doubt about it. Right now, we're seeing something that we've never seen before in the crypto market. 
big players like Jamie Dimon and Kevin O'Leary and anybody else that you can name who's worth about a billion dollars is talking optimistically about crypto right now. But this is where you have to watch what they do and not what they say. And I'm going to kick it to you for some comments right after this. Multiple sources have confirmed as of last night that JP Morgan's crypto team has tripled in size. This comes just days after JP Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon made a bold statement on the Senate floor in regards to crypto. He said, if I were the government, I would shut it down. Well, Andrew, this is a classic example of watch what they do and not what they say. Jamie Dimon is expanding his crypto unit while telling the public this asset is nothing but nefarious. I want to hear, hear the opinion from the live chat, guys. Put your comments in the live chat. I'll put them up on screen. But Andrew, floor is yours. Another classic example. Watch what they do and not what they say. Hey, what happening? I think he is totally right. If he was in the government, he he should. He must shut it down because it is a threat for, for the money creation process of the government and the central banks. But, you know, he is not in a central bank. He is JP Morgan. So, and that's why he will take advantage of it. So, I totally understand what, what he means. But actually, if you listen more, more or less superficially, you think he is against Bitcoin. No, that's not what he says. He is not against this. He is a, a proponent of Bitcoin. And, uh, yeah. It's your, uh, uh, wow. Hold on. Let me address what just happened there, Andrew. That was the most brilliant 3D chess move I've ever seen on Good Morning Crypto. So what Andrew's saying is that Jamie Dimon is speaking as if he were a government employee. If he wasn't a government employee because of what Bitcoin provides, he would shut it down. That's what you're saying. So I just realized that you're not saying that Jamie Dimon's talking for his bank. You're saying he's stating if he was a government employee, this would be his opinion. Very, very interesting. And let me just remind people, because we got a bunch of new listeners here, 340 live listeners, show us some love, smash that like button. JP Morgan, multiple sources confirm they have tripled the size of their crypto unit while their CEO is publicly bashing this new technology. So Andrew, sorry to cut you off, but floor is yours. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Just look at the perspective. And you know, there is so much potential in crypto. All those banks know it. For example, I gave an, uh, with ING Bank two years ago. I, I know some people who work in the ING Bank in, in Netherlands. It was forbidden to talk about crypto. Currently, I saw yesterday, I saw in the newspaper here that they in, in ING Bank, they have a, a, a crypto director or a crypto specialist. And it is public information in only 24 months. So you see how, how fast the narrative changes and, and, and what, what it does. And, you know, the, the, the government and the central banks, they hate it because they have to get go, go of control. And, and uh, yeah, you know, the same like a voice over IP, you know, the, the, what in, in the previous art article, uh, we had voice over IP and it diminished, it crushed the, 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 the tariffs for, for long distance calling, you know. And we have also long distance money transfer. So we had voice over IP and now we need money over IP and, and yeah. that will change the whole world. You know, what's interesting too about that Brian Brooks clip, Andrew, is the fact that he said we were one congressional vote away from the internet being regulated like Verizon, like TNT, like a, tra a traditional uh, service provider. That's so interesting because think about it. It feels like what we're going through with crypto is brand new. This is a new technology. Nobody understands it. And this is the first time something like this has ever happened. At least for a younger person, it feels that way. Well, it's happened this exact same way before. And we can just read the script from what's happened in the past. And that's what I'm going to do with the crypto market as for the prices of today. 
Crypto investors, make note of this. History suggests that the market is about to explode, and the data speaks for itself, Mario. As in 2012, the Bitcoin halving led the, led the Bitcoin price to a 105x gain. We went from $11 to $1,150 during that time period. In 2016, we saw something similar, but not exactly the same. As the price went from $650 to $20,000 during that time after the halving, that's about a 30x gain. Well, in 2020, we went from about $8,800 to just below $70,000, which leads us to about a 7.5x gain. This is where my calculations come in, Mario, and excited to hear your take on this as well. If we apply the exact same thing that we've seen before, what you would do is you would take this number and you divide it by 0.33%. That would lead me to believe that Bitcoin is due for at least a 2.5% price gain from whatever it is at the time of the halving. So that doesn't mean from where we are today. That means whenever the halving takes place sometime in April, whatever the price is for that day, we should see a 2.5x over the next bull market and that could lead us to help create some successful exit plans. So shout out to Johnny Crypto. Shout out to Merlin. 30 days, absolutely free. Go in there, create an exit plan and use things like this to help you navigate the crypto market. But Mario, I do want to get your take. Do you think we're going to see something similar from the past? Or because these ETF products are entering the market, could this break the pattern and we could see a massive bull market like we've never seen before? Well, as much as I want to say yes to, to the second part of your question, I, I, I feel compelled to say that we're just going to continue to repeat the cycle. And I think that that trend that we're seeing as a, you know, 2.5 X from the having, that's what I personally believe to be realistic. Now I'm not saying that exponentially more can, can, can't happen. I to totally believe that it can. I totally believe that it could be different, but until it, until it proves to be different, I'm just going to look at the pattern. I, I, for me personally, I am looking at exactly that. I think Bitcoin could easily get to the 100K during this this next bull run. I know that there's, I know that this time is different. <laughs> you know, especially with the ETFs, I know that that could flood in a lot of money. I understand that, but I also have to stay uh, grounded and I have to look at what the cycles have proven as because every every bull run there's a different narrative. Every bull run there's a narrative that says this time is going to be different and this time this is going to happen. And this is why the prices are going to go up exponentially. And so that never, that has never happened until today. And so that's why I'm going to look at it that way. I, I really think that hundred K I really think the more, I also think that more than a 200 K is very unlikely for this bull run. Although I do hope it happens because although I'm not a big investor in Bitcoin, I, it's only a small percentage of my portfolio. I know how the impact that it will have on the rest of the altcoins. And so, so let yeah. me ask you a follow-up question because I think it's important. This is a debate show, like we like to say. It's a news channel, but we like to provide both sides of the argument. Uh -huh. I think the reason people are more bullish than ever right now is because for the first time ever, we're seeing companies like BlackRock, like JP Morgan, like Citibank, like UBS, like Saab Bank in the UAE. I could literally list hundreds of institutions right now that for the first time ever, not only have they shifted and began to talk positively about crypto, they're starting to use this technology. Larry Fink, just a couple of weeks ago, Andrew, what did he say? Bitcoin's an international asset, not tied to any particular economy. And that's what makes it such a great store of value. That's the beginning of the marketing campaign right there, guys. We saw it in 2021. Anybody who's old enough saw it in 2017. So the reason I'm bringing that up is because for the first time ever, Mario, the narrative about ETFs, it's not a narrative. It's actually happening. And we're going to see it with Bitcoin. We'll eventually see it with Ethereum. And then I'm going to show a couple of articles later in the show 
We will see it with altcoins. We saw the applications come in during 2020 before Ripple was sued by the SEC. Wouldn't surprise me at all that once this lawsuit's officially over next spring, if those loss or if those filings begin to flood in at the SEC as well. So is there any validity to that? What do you think about for the first time ever, the actual narratives are coming to fruition? They're not just narratives this time. Well, there's there's definitely validity because that's exactly what's happening. But why is it that they're why is it that they want us to see it that way? Because the, your interpretation, everything that you've just described, is exactly the picture that they're painting. So why are they painting that picture? It, like we know that these we know that they always do things in a way where it's look at this way so that we can focus over there. And so that's the thing that I have in the back of my mind is I know that that's the narrative that they're painting. ETF it's ET, a bunch of ETF products are coming out for Bitcoin. Bitcoin is now flight to safety. It's 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 a store of value compared to gold. And they've completely done a 180 on their opinion from a few years ago. But why is it that all of a sudden now that's the narrative? And that's the part that I have a hard time trusting. I, I don't trust the fact that they're painting this narrative. I don't trust the fact that now they're like, everybody, come on, flood in, invest. It's safe to invest in crypto now. And that's why I'm on, that's why I'm being cautious. And that's why, as people are mentioning in the chats, people are saying, look at the charts. And the charts still only say that 100 to uh, whatever it is, 180, 150, 130 is kind of that peak for this bull run, regardless of what every, regardless of everything else. And I hope that it turns out to be what they're painting the picture. I really do, because that would be amazing for everybody that's invested in crypto. Well, but I have to stay, I have to stay with my with my thesis. Andrew, we got 432 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. That's a lot of new listeners. So let me just briefly break this down. What we're talking about right now is how every time Bitcoin gets a halving, we see a massive price surge over the next 24 months. And the results really speak for themselves here. Bitcoin's first halving did 105x. Second halving did a 30x. Third halving did a 7.5x. That tells me this halving, we will see at least a 2.5x from whatever the price is on the day of the halving. Let me just give a quick example. If Bitcoin was $40,000 in April, that means at the peak of the bull market, if we applied this data, we would be at $100,000 per Bitcoin. That may sound low. That may sound high. I'll let each individual uh, listener, you know, put their thoughts in the live chat, Andrew. But I've said a lot and so has Mario. What's on your mind? Um, what we should not uh, mix up is we have a halving date and you have the top date. So when was the top? Uh, if, if you if you can, yeah, the top was not in 2012. It was in November 2013. The next top was not in 2016. It was in December 2017. The next top was not in 2020. It was in November 2021. And then what I expect that the next top will not be in 2023, <clears throat> but it will be end of 2025. And then I agree with with the. Uh, with the multiplication factor. So if you see that the top in 2020 or in 2016, 17 was at 20,000, it went at 3x from 20,000 to 60 or 70,000. Then uh, what we can expect, I think, is a one and a half x from 60,000, which is maybe 100, maybe 150, but then it's done. And will and then people will say, oh, but they say Bitcoin will go to a million. Yes, Bitcoin will go to a million, but not in this cycle, not in the next one, and not in the next one. It will take another 
12 to 16 years. So just play the game, see it go up and, and sell it on the way up, buy it on the way down and do the same game again. However, it's a long waiting game. We are just uh, coming from crypto winter and that is a long period to stay focused. But if you are disciplined and you understand the cycles, man, you can make so much money. So I would say, join my uh, my crypto uh, coaching call go to andrewcashflow.com and uh, i'll teach you everything what you need to uh, to to take a, a profits when it is there and and to buy in again when it, when the time is to to buy in again absolutely so, uh, andrew and i want to give a shout out it's andrewcashflow.com right andrewcashflow.com everybody go and check it out you can obviously just give your user feedback we love to hear your comments in the live chat as well and Mario, we're focusing a lot about the Bitcoin having and the Bitcoin price chart, but we're going to talk about how this is going to affect altcoins in the future as well. And I know we got a lot of XRP holders watching the show, but let me just draw a couple of connections here before we get into the XRP price chart. And one last thing, when we're talking about Jamie Dimon, Mario, you painted the picture of this and I don't think you're correct. I don't think you're incorrect. I just want to get you to kind of clarify. You said that they're painting the picture for the crypto markets. That's very optimistic. That's not what Jamie Dimon's doing here. Let me just remind you, even though Andrew kind of outlined this earlier in the show, Jamie Dimon is sitting on the floor at the Senate saying if he was the government, he would shut it down. That is not painting a positive picture. We're seeing companies like Larry Fink from BlackRock, Fidelity executives, Goldman Sachs executives. But when it comes to JP Morgan, they haven't been painting a very optimistic picture. So I just wanted you to kind of clarify, maybe regurgitate what you said earlier. Mm -hmm. As we're listening to people like Jamie Dimon, they're telling us they don't believe in crypto while tripling the size of their unit. I think you're you're right as far as Jamie Dimon. I mean, but the majority of the majority of the narrative around crypto right now is that it's bullish. The majority of the people, like the institutions, they're looking at Bitcoin specifically as a bullish case scenario type of investment. Jamie Dimon is one of the only ones that is still not officially and publicly that we know of changed this stance. Like he's still talking down on it, but I, but, but as, as you mentioned right there in that, in that, uh, in that post, he's doing the opposite. So I think that the, the, the point of what I'm trying to say is that, and I'll give an example during the last bull run, most people, and I'll use, I'll use the example of most people thought Bitcoin was going to continue to go higher than 69,000. That was the narrative. People were, most people were saying that we're going to go to 100. That was going to be the next stop. And let's not even go to the people that were saying 500,000 and even close to a million. Those were just outrageous. But most people thought we were going to go higher. Most people also didn't expect anything like the FTX collapse, the Terra Luna, all of these different things. Most people didn't see that coming. And that's the reason why I have that thesis is because most people are not going to see the unexpected of the market. And I don't know what that is. I also don't see it. <laughs> so what I do is I have an exit strategy because I plan to take profits sort of short term. I have a percentage of the portfolio that I want to take profits short term. So that's why I have an exit strategy. And my exit strategy is based on what the charts, specifically the FIB levels tell me. And the FIB levels tell me that Bitcoin is probably going to be somewhere around 100 to 200,000 the next bull run. And that XRP is probably going to be between anywhere from 8 to $15. And that's the way that I do it based on my personal exit strategy. Now, if you're comfortable holding this thing forever, then forever is the best strategy because crypto is here to stay. But I just think that when they're trying to paint the picture that Bitcoin's going to go to uh, a half a million, 
that's most likely not going to happen. Guys, short term, short we term. are getting massive subscription numbers and shout out to the live chat. If you are not subscribed to this channel, smash the subscription button, turn the notifications button on as well so you can listen to us every day. We would very much appreciate that. And I also want to say something else, Mario. When you look at the price charts and how they've done in the past, this tells me we're not going to a quarter million dollar Bitcoin, guys. If I'm really just looking at the data and, and even taking into everything that Mario just said, we are not going to see a $250,000 Bitcoin, at least according to this data. Not my opinion, just reading the data here. We've got almost 500 live listeners. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We got to talk about Ripple XRP and American regulation. And guys, I think this is a pretty great place to start. As Ripple's lead lawyer, Stuart Alderati, was breaking down exactly what the SEC is trying to do with American regulation, creating uncertainty gives them power. And that's what Stuart Alderati is highlighting here. Have a listen. Here we go. And, and in the U.S., I mean, you know, we have a problem with politics and power being elevated over sound policy. And yes, you, you, you know, you go to the Hill, you go to Congress, they want to see the use cases. You're absolutely right, Emily. We can't ignore the question. I think we do have to explain and educate. Um, but three or four years ago, when I traveled the world and I talked to other regulators, and if you've had similar experiences, what I was sort of told either expressly or implicitly through body language is we're waiting to see where the U.S. is going to go with this. Now, when I had these conversations in 2023, the impatience has crossed the line. The U.S. has fallen behind and countries like Singapore, Dubai, London, the EU through Mika or yep. MICA, everywhere else, they understand that the technology is here. It's not going away and we can't prohibit it. So we have to sort of rationally regulate it. So I do think the, the, the U.S., although it's a very important market, it's a market we can't ignore. Um, I don't, the, the rest of the world has kind of moved on in the conversation. And it's unbelievable to think that the United States is falling behind in innovation. That's a conversation that if I told you that 10 years ago, Mario, you would not believe me. But we just want to spend a couple minutes here and I'm going to go to our next article. Floor is yours, my friend. Yeah, that's. See, that's the thing that uh, we're witnessing is we're seeing America fall behind in many fronts, not just when it comes to technology, but also when it comes to the global reserve currency. The The thing that I keep reiterate, reiterating here on the show is that it almost feels like it's too easy. And we're seeing the power been taken away from America when it comes to the United. Can you guys hear it screaming in the background? Yeah, yeah, I apologize. No problem at all, bro. I'll take the floor and we'll just continue with this content. Cause we got a bunch of great stuff prepared. And I think that clip pretty much speaks for itself, Andrew. There's not no need to fully address it. Do you have any opinions before we dive into some more news on the Stuart Alderati and state of American regulation? No, I was actually thinking, I mean, what, what are all the underwater relations between, uh, between Ripple but also Jamie Dimon with the SEC. And you know, you also have that, that, that article with, with, that, with, that, uh, uh, with that lady from, from, the, from the SEC. Um, I think there is a whole other play playing somewhere in underground just to stay in control because who has the money, they have the control. And why is this taking so long? Because they want to have the, the, the control over the people. We see the same here. In Europe, you know that uh, that the European Parliament get has a lot of power over over what they that what we do here in the Netherlands, and you see people get uncomfortable with it, and and I, I think that that people who are in politics and they, they want to stay in politics, 
and and I think because the the SEC is also a uh, political, actually a political organization, you know, there is much more happening behind the scenes, and I'm curious how all those uh, yeah invisible lines are going from uh, from one organization to the other. But yeah, we probably will never never know. But there is more happening than you think. That's a billion, maybe even trillion dollar question right there, Andrew. And this is the R3 CEO talking about his opinion on blockchain versus crypto versus digital assets. It's a very interesting video. And Mario, just for this, I want to play this 15 second clip because we are going to play a longer clip. It's about three minutes, but this is 19 seconds of him discussing XRP and Dogecoin, putting them in the same category. So I'm going to play this and go right to you, my friend. Here we go. Express how hey I have half of my my retirement savings in XRP, Dogecoin, and God knows whatever coin. So it's been really concerning for me, and I think that the regulators uh, have been a bit slow uh, to address it. Now, um, and and you know they, they they express how hey I have half of my my retirement savings in a combination of XRP, Dogecoin, and God knows whatever coin. So it's been really concerning for me. And I think that the reg. You know what, Mario? I must say, when I listen to R3 CEO, this is a guy who seems like he's concerned about the regular retail investor. Am I right? But you tell me what your opinion is and then I'll go. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't really seem concerned, but I, I didn't quite get it. Was he being sarcastic or was he serious that he's, you know, people are putting their retirement into XRP and Doge? Was that a sarcasm? Uh, it was kind of like a. It was almost a shot being fired. So he was serious in the sense that like, obviously he's being critical of people who are putting that much in these assets. But what I think he's trying to say is that a lot of these are speculation driven. And I think it's very intentional that somebody from R3, specifically their CEO, is talking negatively about XRP because right. that relationship fell out back in 2019. Seems like there's still some animosity today. To put XRP and Doge in the same sentence as one of the most brilliant minds in the financial landscape this guy knows exactly what he's doing. So that being said, for George, and we'll go to Andrew. Okay, that makes sense. Yes, I mean, the fact that he put XRP and Doge together in the same bucket, like you said, that's that's uh, hysterical. But let's not let's not take away the thing that Dogecoin has actually come a long way, and we're at a stage where Dogecoin is or could potentially be uh, actually having real utility, especially if we start to see Elon Musk. You know, adopted in some way as as he did the last bull run. He kept talking about how he was going to do this with Doge, and uh, he kept talking about Doge. So I I definitely wouldn't uh, put Doge in a. I think Doge has come a long way, and it, it's coming out of that meme coin, no utility territory potentially. But to put it alongside XRP, I'm not saying that that was correct. XRP is a whole different beast, and the people that don't see the kind of utility that's being built around XRP primarily from Ripple. I think that that they're, they just haven't, you know, taken enough time to research it. But um, I but don't yeah. know where I gotta I gotta put you on the hot seat. But you know what, Mario? For the sake of time, yeah. we'll take it to Andrew. Doge and XRP should not be in the same conversation, even if Doge is an established not. established economic value. You know what I mean? It's literally been a marketing campaign by Elon Musk, and yeah, is it in the top ten? It's a meme, so I wouldn't put them in the same conversation. And I do not think Doge is going to be utility driven at any point. I really don't. For one reason and one reason only, technology is not there. I would obviously use a product like Stellar. I would use AVAX. I would use, I'm not even talking about XRP, but there's just so many better technologies that Dogecoin being in the same sentence as XRP, in my opinion, unacceptable. You want to put it in the same sentence as something like Bitcoin, 
feel free, my friend. But Andrew, floor is yours. I'd love to get your take as well. Let's 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 take it clear. Does XRP has a max supply? Yes. Does Dodge has a max supply? No. No. So that that already says enough. And then what about utility for XRP? Has XRP utility? I would guess. Does Doge have utility? No, not, not so much at the moment. So Doge is purely speculation. And maybe Elon will, our friend Elon will use it in his, uh, his Twitter app or, or whatever app you want to use it. But then still, they can make as many Doge as you like. So they can dilute the, the, the total amount of Doge in the market. So they can manipulate the price always. You know, yeah, thanks, thanks for the graph. It was at the top, it was uh, uh, 74 cents. Currently, it is uh, 9 cents, more or less. <clears throat> yeah, you know, what you should do with Doge, enjoy the volatility and trade it. And, and take your profits. Do it with small amounts and get used to the volatility because you need some, some eyes in your stomach. But if you understand the game, yeah, you can make some money so now and then. But certainly... I would not uh, put my whole pension fund in, into uh, into Doge, and uh, and also by the way, also not with with uh, with Ripple. Yeah, that wouldn't be a good idea. Protect your pension funds, guys. And we got 530 people here, Mario. I'm excited to get you and Andrew's take on this Twitter thread as well because I was going over some of the data for the XRP price chart earlier this week, and XRP seems to be forming the largest bull flag in crypto history. The data once again speaks for itself as XRP has been trading below all-time high for 2,165 days. Many believe this is due to the SEC labeling XRP as an unregistered security back in December of 2020. And now some background knowledge on this is the SEC's lawsuit against Ripple and XRP sent shockwaves through the crypto industry, leading to the alleged price suppression that XRP experienced during the 2021 bull run. Trading hurdles, liquidity issues, and U.S. dollar conversion headaches, all because XRP was labeled as an unregistered security. I also want to throw this in here, guys. Remember how quickly exchanges began delisting XRP during that time? We couldn't even figure out where to buy it. I was one of these people who, who was using Coinbase. Uh, that was the first time I think I began using Uphold. So it's just another example of XRP being annexed out of the uh, retail market. Fast forward to today. The lawsuits in the review mirror and XRP is not an unregistered security, but we are on the precipice of breaking out of this three and a half year, sorry, six and a half year bullish pennant that is building Mario. And I just wanted to get your opinion with all the positive headlines coming to fruition. And we're looking at the price chart being long overdue for some price action. This is some exciting time to be an XRP investor. Do you think this is going to lead to a breakout above all time high, or are we going to continue trading below $3 and 84 cents for eternity? Well, no, I hope not. <laughs> For me personally, I am I am expecting it to go above all time high, and I think that the the primary reason is everything that you said. Um, XRP has the green light now. In the previous bull run, we had we had all that regulatory uncertainty. We had the SEC come after Ripple. We had the exchanges delist it. Now we don't have any of the above. Actually, we have the, the 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 very opposite. We have a really big green light. It's it's the only uh, like when it comes to law, it's the only crypto asset that has regulatory clarity now because we know that it's not a security in and of, in and of itself when it's in an exchange. So I think that 
XRP has everything in its in its uh, in its path to su- to succeed and go above and beyond. I would really be surprised if it doesn't, and I I don't I don't know what to say if it doesn't. It would just be it would just be uh, crushing to a lot of the XRP investors, to the people that have believed and have been in this in this uh, in this uh, asset for for a long period of time. I've personally been invested in XRP since 2017, so I wrote it up to that all time high, and I. I was very fresh to the crypto market, so I just held on, and I've I've only accumulated over the over the years. But I don't know, like I I it has to work out this time. If it doesn't, then we're we're it's under serious manipulation. Like, yeah, I kind of agree with what you're saying, Mario. Think about it. It's either it's kind of a make or break moment for the XRP project, just because six and a half years. And here's the reality, guys. Honestly, it's not make or break because people like us aren't going to dump our XRP. There'll be a new moment, a new narrative, a new headline. You know what I mean, Mario? To, to keep us yeah. involved in this project. But right. when he's talking about for price action, it is make or break. How long are we going to trade below this $3.84 range? I really believe 2026 is kind of that line in the sand. And maybe uh, as a retail investor, me believing that, that could be the moment that all of this comes to fruition. So I'd love to hear from the live chat. Put a one in the live chat if you think XRP is going to break all-time high when it exits this bullish news. Put a two in the live chat if you think we still got a long time to go before we're back at $4. But Mario, before I kick it to Andrew, floor is yours, my friend. Yeah, you know what, Abs? I think for me personally, given the percentage of the portfolio that I have into XRP, this is something we don't recommend people do, but I, I, you know, I don't follow my own advice, I guess. I have a very high percentage of XRP in my portfolio. So for me... It is a make or break because I don't know if if we don't get if we don't get an, uh, uh, if we don't get XRP going to prices where it triggers my exit exit targets. I don't think, and this is just based on how I feel right now. I don't think I will be holding XRP or at least the same percentage of XRP going into a next bull run, if that makes sense. I probably will let go of some XRP and adjust my portfolio accordingly and properly. And I don't think I will hold on to XRP for that much longer. And that would probably be a mistake because XRP would probably, you know, go into uh, a crazy run as soon as I sell it because that's what always happens, right? Everybody always feels that way. (laughs) But I think for me, it is kind of, I feel like it would be a make or break. Andrew Cashflow, I can give my opinion, but I think the people want to hear yours. So floor is yours, my friend. You know what? I, I see so much emotion. I'm sorry, Mario. Also, I see emotion with you. So actually, if you have a decent strategy, you know exactly what to do. And there are only three things you can do. Buy, sell, or do nothing. And you know, and the decision you make based on the price movement. And you just, you buy. I keep saying it. You buy on the way down. And in the crypto winter, you buy, for example, on a monthly basis. And on the way up, you you sell you sell at particular uh, levels and then it doesn't matter how high it goes you keep selling every time you sell a little bit you keep selling don't sell everything just make your plan and then if it goes down again start buying again on the way down and then if it goes up again start selling again you know and it takes some discipline for me that, that's the strategy i use and that's also the strategy that i teach in my uh, in my course but it, it just takes some some discipline. You have to take 10 to 20 minutes per day. And I watch all my cryptos and all my stocks very efficiently. And I make actually I make money all the time. All the time. I'm I'm also with other other stocks and cryptos. 
in profits, taking money and uh, yeah, you know, and what but yeah, what I see is a lot of people they listen too much to the influencers, maybe they listen too much to us. Maybe that's not possible, but uh you Good know, it's shake out the emotion, take it out and have a plan, make your own rules and stick to your own plans or your own rules. And that's why I also think that Merlin can help you to take out a little bit of your emotion. However, if the price is at your price target, make sure you, you take your profits. Yeah. And if you don't do it, you will regret it. And this is why things are different, Mario. We've been highlighting this throughout the show. Real products are about to enter the crypto industry. We're talking about exchange-traded products becoming live in the USA. And that's going to drive these companies like JP Morgan, like BlackRock, like Fidelity to not only purchase crypto assets, but hold them for the long term. And I think that's what Andrew is trying to break down there, guys. When profits come in, he called us emotional because he's saying, don't celebrate or be disappointed. React accordingly. Exit when prices are going up, accumulate when prices are going down, and oversimplify it yourself because emotions can't get in the way of making rational decisions. And I think that's what you were trying to say, right, Andrew, just to clarify? Absolutely, absolutely. Take out the emotions. That's what we do in, this, in the smart investor uh, community. Yep. And we just also, you know, we place our exit orders already beforehand with limit orders so that you cannot go into the, the the temptation to either to to sell too early or to sell too late too late or to you know just based on price action you put in your orders and you have peace of mind and you know doesn't matter what happens i'll take my profits at this moment and it will go automatically that's absolutely cash flow and let's listen to hester pierce talk about how when it comes to american regulation she's confused uh well, ability for us, I would say, to to monitor what's going on in the industry. It's just it's just been a, quite a lot of confusion, um, and and I think that hasn't really served anyone, including us, well. Um, so, I've kind of gone back and forth when I think about what the end game is. You know, is the end game just to say, look, we don't want crypto in the U.S., and so, you know, we'll make it so hard for you to be here that you can just move offshore. Or is it just to really try to force crypto into a mold of entities that we're more familiar with and more used to regulating? Um, so I, I really can't guess. I mean, I guess, but I can't tell you definitively what, what the answer is on that. But I think what we should really be doing is focusing on a better end game, which would be to provide regulatory clarity work with the industry to get to a place where things that should be regulated by the SEC are regulated by the SEC um, and people can clearly know when they're in that bucket or not. Well, Mario, the fact that the regulators are sitting here confused, I think that says a lot about where the retail investor is also sitting at. I have so much to say about this clip. Let's start with you. Yeah, look, they're confused. We're confused. Everyone's confused. And that is probably exactly how uh, they want it to be. But at the end of the day, we know that the what we're witnessing from the SEC really is it's a bigger issue. And that bigger issue is the fact that we don't have regulation. And that bigger issue is the fact that the SEC is kind of not being given anything to work with. And I know that they could have taken a different stance. I, I know that this is not, the, I'm not saying that this is the right way for them to do things, but I feel like government needs to step up this is the point where government needs to step up and create a regulation, appoint the right bodies to regulate crypto, 
create clear guidelines so that blockchain companies know exactly how they need to operate. Not only that, but we will be able to eliminate a lot of the scams that have right now an open door to exist because of it. So I really think that this is an issue that goes beyond the SEC. I'm obviously not a fan of how Gary Gensler has been handling the whole thing and, and how they've been making it seem like the law is clear when it's not. That is definitely not the case. But um, I, I do hope that going into 2024, we see regulation come into play and we see this power kind of being given uh, or taken away, I should say, from the SEC or maybe give them the power, but at least give them a, a regulation that that is friendly for the technology. That's what I'm hoping to see for this year to come. Andrew Castle, for the sake of time, I realize we got to address the ledger news that came out this morning, because think about this. We're figuring out American regulation and we're forced to rely on these technologies. Well, this was the news out of today as Ledger faces a security shakeup as their Ledger Connect kit was compromised. I asked our listeners, do you stand by your Ledger device and still trust the company protocols? I trust my Ledger, guys. I still use a Ledger just for clarity. Ledger tweeted out this morning, we have identified and, remo and removed a malicious version of the Ledger Connect kit. A genuine version is being pushed out to replace the malicious file now. Do not interact with any decentralized apps for the moment. We will keep you informed as the situation evolves and your Ledger and device live were not compromised. That's what they just said. Well, let's actually check out the update as well because I saw this and it's, it's interesting, guys, because we're forced to use these technologies, you know, and this is what I think is a little bit different about this whole argument, Andrew. We talk so much about regulation, but I have a choice and it's, it's kind of like very, very blatant. I can either keep my stuff on an exchange, I can put it in a cold storage wallet, or I can put it in a hot wallet. Well, I know friends who have their hot wallets compromised. I know friends who have had their exchanges compromised. I do not have friends that have had their cold storage wallets compromised. And so that's typically where I prefer to store my assets for the long term. What do you think when you're reading news like this? Does it hinder your trust in protocols like Ledger? And what do you think? How does the regulation argument play into all this as well? We can't say, hey, Bank of America, hold my crypto for me. We're forced to rely on companies like Ledger. No, um, you know, of course you can you can uh, say, okay, I hold my crypto on a centralized platform, which is risky, especially the younger the younger uh, platforms. Um, I can imagine that because of all this negative news about wallets, that people say, oh, scary, and I don't trust it anymore. That new uh, uh, asset holding companies will step up, which have good. A good track record, and we will give guarantee just to get the complexity out. But still, it is a risk that it can be taken away. I would say either put your money or put your or use. I must say use a ledger or use a, an Exodus wallet or an Atomic wallet. You know when will those wallets be compromised? Uh, a, a cold wallet can only be compromised when the software that is in between the cold wallet. And the and the and the blockchain when that software there is compromised and that is just as vulnerable as for example the the software of a a, a hot wallet like uh, Atomic and Exodus. So I don't I don't share your your vision with uh, with put your money on uh, on on a hardware wallet because your money is not on a wallet. Your keys are on a wallet. So you know the most important is keep your uh, keep your uh, uh, secret face, the 12 the words, the 12, 24 words, 
keep it really secret. Don't interact too much with your with your uh, with your wallets, especially not with Ledger at this moment. But after a while, what we also saw with Atomic, I think it was uh, uh, half a year ago, there was major negative news about Atomic was compromised. Now only I think five hundred thousand dollars was stolen. And what what happened? The, the 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 delivery of the software to install the Atomic wallet that was compromised, but it was fixed in a second. And then it was over and everybody was, I think, even compensated for, for the loss. So I wouldn't worry too much. If you have the energy and, and, and the knowledge and the and what, what you, by the way, can learn in the 3T Academy, and you know, and you have the will to, to learn it, to put your money in a wallet, a hardware or a, 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 or, or a hot wallet, do it. You know, because then it is your money and it stays your money. So don't get scared that you say, oh, I'll leave it on Celsius or I'll leave it in uh, in FTX. I oh, know FTX cannot do it. Or in Celsius, oh, also not. Or on Voyager, oh, also not. You know, all those centralized entities, it is shit. Excuse my uh, my French. You know? No French excuse necessary, Andrew. And we got 550 people here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Thank you for that in-depth breakdown, Andrew, because I even learned some things when you were breaking that down. Mario, I'd love to start with you on – or sorry, did you have a comment on the Ledger article before we dive into that? I did. I just want to say one thing that's very important. The whole principle of a cold wallet or a hardware wallet goes out the window if, you're, if, you're, if, the, if your practices are not uh, correct. So what I mean by this is that you need to treat a hardware wallet – as your ultimate place of safety for your crypto. So that means you're never going to connect it to anything. That means you're going to limit the amount of devices that you have it set up in. If you're doing those things, you're really going to be safe. But anytime you have crypto on a hardware wallet, never connect it to any dApp. If you need to connect to a dApp, create a MetaMask wallet or a secondary wallet and only transfer the funds that you want to use. So I just wanted to throw that quick tip out there for everyone. However, let me add something, Mario. Uh, if you put your your keys on for example on your on your ledger device yeah and you move then on the address you move your bitcoin there you can even destroy your ledger device yeah and then if you only hold your 12 words 24 word seed phrase that's all you need so if you say i will keep it for 10 years the only thing you need is the 12 to 24 words even you can memorize it take it over the border and buy a new ledger somewhere in a, in, in, in a far, far away country and still access your coins. So don't, don't make a big deal out of it. Just, I, I agree with you, just be very careful with what you do and understand what you're doing. Absolutely, guys. And this is Vivek Ramaswamy describing how he would change American regulation for the cryptocurrency industry. I also want to point out, look at what he's standing in front of, a stand with crypto sign. Here we go. I think that the, again, the regulatory ambiguity around this is the worst of all is right now you don't know whether you're operating in a securities law enforced regime or not and i think that that ambiguity is the first thing that has to end it will end on my watch i personally have strongly libertarian instincts on this which is to actually leave it to the market to sort out so the participants in a dow or otherwise are going in eyes wide open with the risks. You can't lie to somebody and, and, and sell them something or give them something that they're not actually getting. But if you actually understand the participants are have full disclosure of what they're getting into, they should be able to make their own decisions. That's my own orientation. But at the very least, let's take the first and easiest step we have 
get regulatory clarity that we lack today. And you have my pledge on my watch. We're going to provide that. So I think that couple of things really stick yeah. out to me, Mario. So first of all, me and Johnny have talked about this for a little while. And I just switched my mic settings. So me and Johnny have talked about this for a little while, that we knew that these conversations were going to enter the presidential debate stage. And to see someone like Vivek Ramaswamy now talking so positively about crypto, I think it's great for the everyday retail investor because we know that this these technologies are not only entering the market, but XRP has a strategic advantage that nobody is addressing. It is the only token with clarity right now. Bitcoin being an unregistered security is a matter of opinion. XRP being an unregistered security is a matter of fact. So there's a lot going on. I also want to point, point out that Vivek Ramaswamy has addressed the Ripple case before, saying that private companies shouldn't be forced to battle in court for nearly three years to figure out whether the product they're offering is a security. So we know he knows about Ripple. He knows about XRP. And with that being said, floor is yours, my friend. Yep. Let's see. He said exactly what I was referring to before. The, the issue is the fact that there's a lack of clarity. And one thing we can be certain, he's going to get the vote of a lot of crypto investors. He's going to get a the vote of a lot of people that want to see a change in crypto in the United States. I just hope that he's, he's, he, you know, if he is to become president, that we don't see a, a 180 because we see that all the time. Uh, but that is definitely the issue that we have right now. That is the identified problem in the crypto market for the, for the crypto regulation in America or I should say the lack of regulation in America. And if he does become president, I really hope he stays, he sticks with his word and does something about it. If he's not the president, whoever else comes into play, I think regardless of who, who comes, we're at a point, we're at a point in the, in the crypto, um, we're at a point in the stage in America where there's already so much pressure building up because of now going after Coinbase. And I really think that Coinbase is, is already this powerhouse that it is in the crypto space. And I really think that the lobbying that's going to start happening, I feel like that pressure alone will make something happen. I really think that there's going to be regulation regardless. And obviously the president can have an impact on what type of regulation that will be. But, uh, but, but yeah, I think it's going to happen regardless of whether it's him or not. But 2024 is the year to look for, I guess. Well, Andrew, Vivek Ramaswamy is just a figurehead for the narrative change in and of itself. I knew that we were going to have pro-crypto presidential candidates this time around, and Vivek just happens to be one of those guys. And I also think that we're on the precipice of a massive gain in price action. If you're someone like Vivek, and I'm just using him as an example, you can use DeSantis, uh, Nikki Haley, whoever's running for president. When you're looking at the crypto market and you understand how these cycles work, these assets are about to go up in price. So talking positively about them before they go up in price validates your opinion on this entire narrative. That could be another 3D chess move happening with Ravaswamy. Maybe I'm giving him too much credit, but Andrew, what did you take away from the clip? Now, at least Mario spoke about Coinbase, and you know I like to invest in uh, crypto-related stocks. Now, we're just looking here. So is Coinbase uh, under fire? No, not so much, because if I see as of the 27th of October till today, Coinbase stock is up 121%. I mean, what, what's the problem with Coinbase here? If I look a little bit further back from December uh, uh, last well, they're year. They're being sued by the SEC, Andrew. Till, till now, from December last year till now, it's up 400%. So there, there must be some power that knows what what is happening because coinbase only goes up so for me it's, it's a super investment reaping a lot of money 
but I agree, we need some regulation and 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 even you know I, I saw also this clip from you with Hester Pierce and and uh, from the SEC, and then I think she doesn't understand it, and then I think, aren't those people talking with each other? Esther Pierce is not talking with Gary Gensler, and I mean, if you are if you are commissioner there, at least you should have some influence on what is happening with with such such a uh, organization. But obviously, what I already said earlier. There is some stuff underwater that justify delay of the introduction of crypto. Is it, can they stop it? Absolutely not. It can only be delayed. And I think that major institutions, banks, uh, maybe it's because of the development of this and the introduction of the CDBC, you know, that should be uh, uh, earlier than uh, general adoption of crypto. And I think that that should more or less more more or less be a little bit uh, the narrative that they, they are playing definitely andrew and we got 514 people here show us some love smash that like button mario i'm going to cover two topic two topics really quickly because the live chat is asking about this poly sign news and so if anybody doesn't know poly sign will the ripple pre-ipo shares be affected by poly signs up for sale after their loan default well the answer is no so i'm going to keep it real short and this is one of the reasons i didn't uh put it as our one of our main topics for the show it bears mentioning that PolySign has no official partnership with Ripple, and as a result, the latest development involving its auction sale does not affect Ripple or its pre-IPO shares in any way. That's an official update, and I think that what pretty much speaks for itself, Mario. But we also got this user data from the poll, and this this is a little bit interesting. So the the question we asked our listeners today is: If you had to hold one token for the next ten years, what would you select? XRP, seventy percent. 77% of our 417 votes voted for XRP. Well, 12% voted Bitcoin and Ethereum, 6% XLM, and only 2% another top 20 token. So interesting stats here, guys. You give me some quick thoughts, Mario. 30 seconds, we'll kick it to Andrew. Yeah, well, uh, I actually voted the 2%, the other top 20 token. Uh, but, but honestly speaking, I would hold XRP for the next uh, 10 years. It just wouldn't be... A, like the highest percentage of my portfolio. That's all I'm trying to adjust going forward. If you had to hold one token for the next 10 years, Andrew, what would your response to the live chat be? And what's your reaction to the results? Um, if I wouldn't put too much money in, I think I would uh, take a top 20 token. But if I want to go for uh, uh, for some, some, some safety, I would go in a BTC and Ethereum. Absolutely, Andrew. And guys, check out the Smart Investor course. That is andrewcashflow.com. Check it out at andrewcashflow.com. A special thank you to Andrew. You're super consistent. I want to give you a shout out on the show. We always talk behind the scenes, but shout out for your consistency and your continued development, not only with your course, but with your opinions on the show, my friend. So thank you so much. And we're going to close this thing out the same way we always do, guys, by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. I want to say thank you to Mario. Thank you to Andrew Cashflow. And we're going to send some love to our man, Johnny K out there. We also got 513 people in the live chat. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And thank you for joining the show today. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, ah, get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining. Let's go.